Hi, welcome to Notes from a Drama Watcher, a podcast about East Asian dramas. It's part review, part recap, so there will definitely be spoilers ahead. Let's go! Dear host M, welcome to episode 22 of Notes from a Drama Watcher. In this episode, I will be talking about Light on Me, which is a Korean BL, Bite Me, which is a Thai BL, Check Out, two words, which is a Thai BL, and Guardian, which is a Chinese, technically a bromance, but really it's a BL. So inadvertently, this was not planned, inadvertently this entire episode is full of BLs, as it turns out. I will start off with talking about Check Out. Check Out is the Thai BL starring Best and Cherub. And Cherub is playing a character called Nine, and Best is playing a character called Donu. I know I'm mispronouncing the name, I apologize. And I will just read you the summary from my drama list. It's kind of short and sweet. It says Nine and Donu are traveling solo, one after breaking up with his girlfriend, the other after a disappointment in love. They accidentally find themselves sharing adjoining rooms and gradually getting to know each other. I don't know if the entire series will will be kind of this way. It is actually a, supposed to be a 12 episode series slated for 2022, but they came out just a few days ago with a episode zero, kind of a prequel. And that summary describes what happened in that prequel. They also came out with um, just a couple days ago, a behind the scenes, which is translated both the prequel and the behind the scenes have English subs. The behind the scenes was really cute because it's kind of in an interview. They're talking about favorite scenes that they've had or or things they learned as actors um, doing the show. And all of these things can be found on YouTube. The channel, the company putting it out is 9NAA channel on YouTube. So if you've seen Skinship, the series Skinship, these two actors are will be familiar faces to you. Skinship, I believe, you can find it online, I think, Line TV. But in Skinship, they did not play a couple. They were both in it, but they were they had other pairings. So this is my first time seeing them as, as a couple. I don't know if they've been in other things besides Skinship. Best seems familiar to me, but Cherub I don't recognize be, besides um, Skinship. But because they are in rooms that are right next to each other, they keep you know bumping into each other when they go out and about. So Cherub, who's playing Nine, Nine is... A character who's supposed to be kind of a bad boy, I guess. He's got this big tattoo on this on his side that says nine. You can see it because they show him shirtless a few times. <laughs> he also smokes. I guess that's supposed to make him a bad boy. And then he's there to kind of figure himself out. You know, after he's broken up with the girlfriend, he's got her picture or part of her picture in his wallet. And he's just, I guess, trying to keep himself occupied. And something about Don Now catches his attention. Now, Don Now is there because he has told his mother that he is going on a trip with friends, apparently. And this is not true. He's actually there by himself. He seems to be or trying to be some kind of influencer. He's going around taking pictures of things and videos. And occasionally his mom calls him just to see how he's doing. And of course, she's asking how his friends are. And there are no friends there. He's by himself. And Nine overhears him in one of these times and kind of like offers to pretend to be his friend. And Dono is like, you know, doesn't doesn't know what to make of him. So doesn't take him up on his offer. But 
Later on, he gets a call from his mom. Donnell gets a call from his mom and Nine happens to be there and Donnell, you know, drags him into pretending to be his friend. And that's how they really begin to interact with each other and start to get to know each other a bit. Just a bit because this is, you know, episode zero. They're just kind of really introducing us to the characters. So you can tell in certain ways they're trying to go for a kind of an opposites attracts kind of thing because, like I said, you can Nine is supposed to be a bad boy between the tattoos and the smoking. You know, he's supposed to be a bad boy. Dono just has this kind of innocence about his character. He's not that innocent, as you will see later <laughs> in the episode, but they're presenting him with a kind of a kind of innocence to him. And so, as I said, opposites attract is the effect they're going for. The episode itself is about 45 minutes long. And it's very effective as a sort of teaser. I mean, unfortunately, coming out in 2022, that's kind of a long wait. But in the meantime, they are giving other content. Like I said, they've got a behind the scenes, which runs about it's a little over 10 minutes long with interviews and so forth with the actors. And then September 5th, I guess Thai time. I don't know what that you'll have to see what it translates to and wherever you're you're listening from. But September 5th, they will be doing a reaction on the YouTube channel. And that again is 9NAA, the number 9NAA channel on YouTube. So next up, I'm going to talk about Bite Me, which is a Thai drama. Just started just a couple of days ago on August 29th. It's supposed to run about 10 episodes and it's from GMN, GMM1. So it is on YouTube. I think, I believe. I actually saw it on View. I did have to use the U, a VPN to see it. So it is starring Mark as A and Zhang as Ao. And I will just read you the summary from my drama list. It says Chef Ao, runner up to the chef master, can't win against the champion. As he tries to figure out what he's missing, he loses his focus on cooking. He never expected that missing piece would be discovered in an ordinary delivery boy, Ake, who hides his extraordinary skills. I don't think they got to, you know, in episode one, because they do mention it, that he was the runner up for, for the show, Chef Master. I didn't get the sense of him trying to win against the competition necessarily, or against the champion. I guess that's something that'll come in later episodes, but he is the chef in a very busy restaurant. And the way he meets Ek is, Ek is a delivery boy and delivery man. And he delivers something, or he's trying to pick up something from the restaurant, the order is delayed because the restaurant is super busy. And when they realize that they've forgotten his order, they cook the order and cook something else for him. And, and the chef, Al himself, comes out to give him the order. And when Ake receives the order, he's able to, you know, he recognizes a scent from the order and, and says it out loud. And this intrigues chef, chef Al that he is able to recognize this. I keep saying chef because that's, that's the way it's pronounced in Thai. And this is like the third Thai drama I've seen about a chef. So <laughs> if I keep doing that in, in this podcast, that that's the reason why. So he's intrigued by Ake and he wants to meet him. Probably wants him to come work for his restaurant. And Ake is very hesitant about being asked about how he knows the scent and these kind of things. And you're not quite sure, sure why, but then they do show flashbacks in the episode of him as a child learning how to cook and stuff like that. And they show him visiting his mom. And you see from there that she really doesn't want him to be a chef or cook. She wants him to have some other kind of profession because she herself is the cook and I guess finds it to be kind of backbreaking work and doesn't want that for him. She wants 
you know, engineer or maybe some kind of office job or whatever for him. So she really doesn't want him to be a chef. However, he's got this ability, this amazing ability, and he kind of hides it. But I'm sure we'll see in later episodes, you know, he'll be, now that chef has recognized that he's got this within him, he will try to bring it out of him. So a couple of things that kind of immediately strike me as I'm watching this is Mark, who plays Ake, looks really young to me. And I was, I didn't really know much about him except that he was in love by chance. And unfortunately, his character in love by chance is, uh, the the storyline is a little bit problematic. So I had to kind of like, okay, let me get that out of my head as as I'm watching this. But he's got this kind of, I thought like a baby face because he just looks young. He's in university. The character's in university. But I was like, maybe he just has a baby face. Maybe he's not actually that young because he looks like, there looks like there's this big age gap between the two main male leads. And it's just something I'm not used to in Ty BLs. And I, I guess it's mostly because I think I've said this in a number of podcasts already that it's a lot of university students. So we still have one of them being a university student here, but the other person is a professional who's been a working professional who's been at it for a couple of years. And I don't know how old the, the actual characters are supposed to be, but I did go and look up the actors because like I said, they just it just looks like kind of a big age gap to me. So Mark is 21, which makes sense. He's playing university student. And then Chef is, the, the actor is 29. So there is that bit of an age gap as I thought. And I think it just even seems like more to me because Ake is playing this kind of quiet character who's, because he's hiding a part of himself. Chef is just playing, again, he's someone who's been in the profession for a little bit and he just, I don't know if it's the actor or I guess it's the character itself, just carries himself a little more confidence of an adult who's been doing what he's doing for a while, whereas Ake is still trying to discover what he's supposed to be doing. He knows in the back of his mind what he wants to do. He's he's a chef, he's a cook, but he's contending with those are not the, the dreams that his family, that his mom may have for him. So they're at slightly different stages and it'll be interesting to see what they do with this in the show. We do see some other characters in this first episode. I can't tell if there's any other pairings at the moment, but we see Chef's co-workers, um, the women at the front. Uh, I don't know if one of them's the manager or something. They're really funny. And what I actually like, I don't know if this will change, but Chef is very, very human. He gets along with the co-workers. They, they like him. You know, he's not he's not playing an arrogant character or anything. That's not the type of, of Chef this is which I've seen other shows of chefs and sometimes they'll have them being like very arrogant, but he's not like that at all. And then Ake, we get to see, again, he's a university student. So we get to see him in some of his classes. We get to see parts of his friend group as well. I did like the episode for the most part. Um, It'll be interesting to see how Ake can realize his dreams, how he can persuade his mom that it's the right move for him. Some of the acting, the university students... I wonder if some of those actors are new. I'm not familiar with them. I think they're still trying to uh, develop a chemistry with each other, find their way around each other. If you like shows about chefs and about cooking, I think you'll really appreciate the show. There were a lot of food shots. One strange thing to me is that it seemed really slow. The episodes 
the episode, it's only one so far, seemed really slow. And I don't mean the progression of the storyline. I mean the actual <laughs> episode was slow. Like they moved slowly. They spoke slowly. Or when people looked at each other, it was these these long looks that went on just like a few seconds too long. And it just, that was a constant through the episode to the point where if you watch it on View, View, YouTube has this too. I just don't remember if, if this was on YouTube. Like I said, I watched it on View. View has the ability to speed up the episode. And I actually wound up doing that about halfway through the episode just because of those kind of long lingering looks or the slow speaking or whatever. But that is just, that could just be a me thing. I am from the Northeast of the US. We tend to talk fast here. I rec totally recognize that about myself, but since it's not something I've necessarily come across in other shows, that's why I'm thinking it's something about this show in particular. It's whatever this director chose to do. I'm not sold just yet on the main couple, but in all honesty, it's no kind of romance so far, really. It's just this chef intrigued by this, this person with this unique ability that he sees. So next up, episodes 29 through 35 of Guardian. Now, if you've been seeing or hearing what's been going on in C-Drama Land lately, you know that a lot of bromance and BL shows might be in trouble. Luckily, Guardian, I've been watching it on YouTube with English subs. That, you know, that's kind of iffy on YouTube, but it's also on Viki. So Viki has the rights to it. So I don't think you have to worry about it being pulled down from Viki. I don't know Viki's business structure because I know with Netflix they only have the rights to things for a certain amount of time and then they have to pay for it again or not pay for it as they choose and let the, the show drop. Vicky I don't know if they once they have the rights to it it's always there I'm not sure but Guardian is available on Vicky with English subs. So in Sea Drama Land the Chinese government has decided to start cracking down on various actors for moral fault or actual criminal activity. As I mentioned in a previous episode, we mentioned about Zhang Jiehan, you know, getting into trouble for a picture he took a few years ago in front of a controversial shrine. Someone else from the company he belongs to, she's basically been scrubbed from her shows as well. And it's my understanding they're looking at older works for other people and seeing what what they might remove or if they remove certain actors from it, etc. I have not heard any, anything controversial about the actors for Guardian, so it should be okay. They're actually doing both doing pretty well right now in a lot of dramas and so forth. So anyway, on to Guardian. Guardian episode 29. They are still trying to locate Chief Xiao's father who has been kidnapped. So in this episode, they are actually able to save his father. They go up against Shan Yang, who was the one who was the, the neighbor store who sold fruits, the guy who sold fruits next to the special investigation unit whose wife and child whose wife was killed his wife was pregnant at the time and he's the one who's been trying to get revenge against the SID the special investigation division he's the one who was the the owner the wielder of the merit brush they finally find him here he's not really hiding from them this is part of his his strategy because they're trying to open the door to dishing so that black cloak envoy's brother Yesen, i believe his name so that he can come forth. Here is where we learn some things about Chief Xiao's father. We've always, always had this belief that he was just, you know, indiscriminately like killing people on his way to capture criminals and everything like that. And we see through various flashbacks here that that's, that's not true. He actually did not do some of the things that people have thought that he did. 
So Zhang Yang wanted to take revenge against Chief Xiao's father because Chief Xiao's father was in the hospital at the same time that Zhang Yang's wife was and came in later but appeared to be getting preferential treatment. He was going to be getting a blood transfusion when Zhang Yang's wife had been waiting there. So that was his revenge. He thought that this man, you know, this higher up, was skipping ahead of his wife who she then passed away. What we discover here is that what happened was she needed a special type of blood. So it wasn't that he was skipping ahead of her. There was just no one available for her. And he realizes that he's basically been, Zhang Yang realizes he's been tricked this whole time by Black Cloak Envoy's brother. Tricked into going against the special investigation unit, but also tricked into being kind of the last piece needed to open the door so that Black Cloak Envoy's brother could escape from the pillar that he was trapped in and come to the surface. Episode 30 sees Shen Wei traveling to Dishing to try to find his brother, to try to stop what's happening. But unfortunately, he's a little bit, not powerless, but his power has been reduced as we find out. So it's hard for him to fight. We find out in this episode that, well, if we call back to a previous episode, I think it was episode 24-ish, might have been 25, when Chief Xiao was blinded and Shen Wei gave some of his energy to cure Chief Xiao's blindness, he actually gave him some of his, his life energy. And so in this episode, he goes to Dishing and tries to fight and he doesn't have as much power. That's when the regent tells him or asks him, did you give some of your life energy to someone? You know, that means your power has been reduced. So it's just, it's interesting they're calling back to previous episodes. Even in episode 29, when they were showing all the flashbacks of Chief Xiao's father and the things that really happened, those were callbacks to previous episodes. Now, because his power has been so reduced, he winds up being tied to the pillar now. He's tied by some chains and he has no way of breaking free of them because he's not as powerful. Now Yezun is, is the, his brother is the one who's on the loose. Also in this episode, in the meanwhile, we discover that Lin, who was the one who was kind of the techie in the special investigations unit, we real, we find out that he's kind of been working on the inside in a way. He was a star pupil at one point of the professor who works for the research division that special investigation unit belongs to. So he's kind of been spying on special investigation unit for this professor and Chief Xiao finds this out and gets very upset and basically kicks him out of the special investigation unit. And, you know, everyone's upset. They're upset with Chief Xiao because they don't want Lin to leave. And he's obviously, he doesn't want to leave either. He's come to care for everyone there. He does feel guilty that he's basically been spying on them, but he has also come to care for everyone there. But he now is working in the research division which probably at some point in a in the next few episodes, at least after episode 30, 35, which is what I've gotten up to, well, it's probably going to be to some benefit in some way because he still has loyalty to the team. And also working there, speaking of calling back to previous episodes, also working there is still Shen Wei's former student who they saved back in like episode one or two. So she is also still working there and over the course of the show has actually provided them some inside information a couple times. So now you've got Lynn and you've got her working in the research division, working on the inside. And they're both, he is still loyal to Chief Xiao and she is still loyal to Shen Wei. So episodes 31 and 32 just really throw a lot at you. 
Chief Zhao has now discovered that his father has in fact been sharing his body with a dishing this whole time. And you see the flashback of how it happens. The interesting thing, thing to me actually is they don't come out and say this, but you almost get the sense that the dishing part is the more calm of the two. <laughs> it's the father who is kind of the more obsessed one. He even says, uh, Chief Zhao winds up talking to the dishing for a while. And he even says to him, like, I'm kind of ashamed to say this, but I played the role of your father for half of the time of you growing up because he's been in his body for 20 years, as it turns out. And from the way that he's speaking to him, and he even tries to like put his hand on his shoulder at one point and everything, you can tell that probably those times when he was, when he appeared to be the calmest or the more sensitive to Yunlan, to Chief Zhao, that's probably, that probably was the dishing. Because as soon as the father takes control of his body, he becomes kind of hardened again. <laughs> and even is trying to convince uh, Yunlan, Chief Zhao, to work with him. You know, they don't need the special investigation unit. They can just work together. And that's another thing that's happening in episodes 31 and 32 is that basically the people from the special investigation unit are kind of on the run because they've been exposed to the public. Someone has exposed them to the public and now the public is kind of blaming them for things that have gone on and for the fact that in their minds they are harboring a criminal. Because remember, old Chu is actually a dishing who had committed some kind of crime and he was basically on parole where Black Cloak Envoy kind of loans him out to Special Investigation Unit. So this information has leaked out to the general public and Special Investigation Unit is in danger of being shut down, but also Chief Xiao arrested for harboring a wanted criminal, so to speak. And while all that is going on, Shen Wei is still captive in dishing and Yezun, you know, who knows what his plan is. So old Chu decides he's going to try to get to Dishing to save Black Cloak Envoy. And he brings Xiao Gao with him, who Xiao Gao, remember, is this innocent kind of person. He can't fight. He can't. He's kind of bumbling around. I don't know that it was a good idea to bring Xiao Gao to Dishing of all places, but it is it is what happens. And to top it all off, with all of that going on, there's actually a new dishing in the storyline brought in by Yezun, and it's a man, it's a person who has the ability to affect nightmares, affect dreams. He says affect nightmares, but it's also just dreams because some of the, some of the dreams that people get trapped in are good things. These are dreams that they want to stay in. That's, that's the trap. Now you've got the added thing of you don't even know what's real and what's not real. So they are in a lot of trouble. And it's coming from all sides. So there are several people who get affected by this nightmare dream dishing guy. Uh, Snake Lady, Chief Zhao, and Old Chu. So Old Chu, because he's affected by this nightmare guy, we get to see... We've been getting hints of his story. We know he had a younger brother, which is why he has this kind of special relationship with Xiao Gao. He kind of reminds him of his brother. And so we actually, through flashbacks, get to see what the story was behind his relationship with his brother and how it was that he wound up essentially becoming a criminal. I've said this before in a previous episode, but this actor who plays Old Chu, he's just really good. I don't think I've seen him in anything else, but he's really, he's really good. We saw him previously when he was, he was playing a completely like out of character person for himself. His grief his guilt over what happened to his brother and his guilt over putting 
Shao Gao in Danger. He's really good at emoting. And actually these last couple of episodes are heavily focused on him, which I think is really interesting. I've been waiting to see exactly what his story was. And so we finally did get to see it. It was pretty sad as expected. We knew it was going to be something angsty and tragic and it it definitely turned out to be the case. As well in this episode, Shen Wei is freed and is returned. Yay. (laughs) But he is, since he has a reduced life energy, we know this from before, he is injured. So he's still not at full capacity even if he's back on the surface. And speaking of acting, Zhu Yilong, who is the one who plays Shen Wei slash Black Look Envoy slash Yezun <laughs> in episodes 34 and 35 does a really great job. He's literally playing all of those three characters and they're all very different from each other. So Yezun, who's the bad guy, he is now on Earth, remember? So he's going around impersonating Shen Wei and Shen Wei is hurt. Shen Wei is just kind of trying to recuperate in and wander around. So some things happen and Chief Zhao winds up going into the past due to something that happens with the Hollows in the Special Investigation Division. This is where we finally get to see, we know that he's been in the past, right? He was, he went by the name of Kunlan. And so this is where they're getting into that storyline. He goes to the past and he meets Shen Wei in the past. So we've got Zhu Yilong playing bad guy Yezun with this kind of snarky kind of energy Shen Wei, who is this noble, serious guy. So he's playing them both. And then now we get to meet the Shen Wei of the past, who is an innocent kind of person. You know, at one point he's kind of playing with his mask. He still has his power. He's always been powerful, but he has this innocence to him because this is the Shen Wei of the past is from 10,000 years ago. So he's got this innocence to him. He feels like no one really understands him. And then he meets Kunlan, who is actually Chief Xiao who has gone in the past and he, you know, he can't tell anyone he's from, that he's from the future. So he's just um, pretending to be this Kunlan person because he recognized the name and he, he realizes that he's supposed to be pretending to be that guy. And he becomes friends with past Shen Wei and advises past Shen Wei and makes a real impact on him. We also get to see a little bit of Yezun's story. Yezun was not powerful in the past. And because of that, he was kind of bullied in a sense and picked on he felt kind of abandoned by his brother by shen wei so that's the cause of his resentment but the real star of this of episodes of episode 35 is we get to see the relationship between shen wei and kunlan past chief xiao the immediate connection that they had the dynamic between them and what i i I actually put something posted something on twitter about this I put a screenshot and then posted something about this. When Chief Xiao kind of comes back, he's not fully back. They they wind up being in this time node, which is like an in-between kind of space. But he winds up back there. He turns around and present day Shen Wei is standing there. And he's got really like tears in his eyes, really. He's not crying, but his eyes are red. And he says, I waited 10,000 years for you. I looked for you for 10,000 years. And it's true that's kind of how long he did wait for him. He wasn't awake during that whole time, but he did wait a long time for Chief Xiao. And, you know, can you imagine that you have waited for so long for someone who was a true friend to you, who you felt really cared about you, the only person you felt that really understood you, 
and you meet them again in the present and they don't even know who you are because when they first meet he doesn't know him and finally finally because he's chief Zhao has had that visit to the past he finally knows shen wei for who he really is to him who they are to each other and when he says to him i i looked for you for ten thousand years by you i think is his name i see on my drama list that they have him listed as johnny Bai, the one who plays Chief Xiao. That's not the way I see his name normally. I think it's Bayou, which, the way you normally see it. His expression, he doesn't even, he doesn't even say anything in return to Shen Wei. He just has this little smile and this half blink that he does. And just the way they look at each other, it's this, I really saw it as like this sense of relief that they have finally found, truly found each other after 10,000 years of waiting. That's why I said in the beginning, Oh, bromance, but it's really a BL. Because believe me, if BLs were allowed in China, they would not just have been looking at each other. There were like literal sparks, I feel, between them in the air in this moment. They would have been hugging and kissing if BLs were allowed. But because it wasn't allowed, they just had to look at each other. But they're both excellent actors and just the gazes between them told you what you needed to know about their relationship. So... The show did kind of slow down a bit in the previous episodes, in the like the middle part of the show. But we've got five more episodes left. It's 40 episodes in total for this show. And it's really ramping up now. There's a lot to resolve. They've got to fight Yezin. They have to save the special investigation unit. And Chief Zhao has to resolve somehow this relationship with his dad. So we will see what happens in the next few episodes. These ones were good. Uh, these 29 through 35 were really good. A lot of angst, a lot of emotion, and finally a lot of explanation of the backgrounds of our characters. So last but not least is Light on Me, which is a Korean BL. It is on Viki. I believe it's on WeTV as well. I've been watching it on Viki though. And we looked at episodes 1 through 3 in my last podcast. So here we'll be looking at 4 through 16. Episodes four and five are very kind of push and pull between Shinwu and Taekyung because Taekyung, at the end of episode three, actually, some bullies were going after uh, Shinwu, some people who knew, from, knew him from the past. And Taekyung helps him out and gets hurt in the process. And so Shinwu feels, you know, bad that Taekyung got hurt, at the same time, grateful that he tried to help him. He actually calls him to say thank you, but it's really difficult for him. He's a very quiet, kind of reserved person. And he keeps a lot inside, kind of the opposite of Taekyung, who just says what he's thinking. He's a very, very honest character. The pull comes in because Taekyung now is starting kind of to realize his feelings that he has for Dion. And Shinwoo is kind of noticing this and... I guess this is where some kind of jealousy comes into play. So even though he was feeling a little friendlier towards Taekyung for having helped him, now he's kind of like feeling the jealousy and maybe pushing Taekyung away or just not liking what he's seeing between Taekyung and Dion. It's kind of hard to know how Dion feels. You can tell he feels maybe something, but he's nice to everyone. And as I mentioned in my previous podcast, it almost can seem kind of insincere in a way you don't know when he's being sincere because he treats everyone the same and it's just because he's very much a people pleaser 
and he doesn't know how to say no. He hasn't learned at this point in the show how to say no. So it's interesting to see these relationships between them. We also have still building up the relationship between Taekyung and the other members of the student council because he is there to make friends and he is... Namgung seems like he'll be anyone's friend, but Taekyung gets to make friends with Namgun, Dan, who now his feelings are getting kind of mixed up. He's trying very hard to make friends with Shinwoo, but Shinwoo is a hard person for him to figure out. And then you've also got the thing with the homeroom teacher who is he's present in episode six. He's present throughout the show. And I, I just really like, I'm not sure if I mentioned this in my previous podcast, but I really like the relationship that the student council has with the teacher. And because in a lot of shows, you see the adults are just kind of foolish or they really just don't even know what's going on. He's, he's very much present. He's not present in their whole business. He doesn't know exactly what's going on with them, but he's, a positive adult in their life and they have a good relationship with him they respect him he respects them as student council as you know young men coming up in the world and they work together in certain ways for the betterment of the school which is the point of the student council right but he also takes them out to dinner to thank them for their help and they there's this really nice scene where they're just all sitting around kind of joking and laughing with each other And I thought that was just, it's just struck me as something interesting because you just usually really don't see, you know, positive adults in a lot of dramas when it's a school drama like that. So this show is very, very slice of life. Um, There's no real, there is a bit of big drama that comes later. I'm, I'm only up to talking about up to episode seven at this point in the podcast. But it's very slice of life. Like each episode takes kind of one thing and runs with that one thing. So episode six was, I'm sorry, episode seven was really about um, Taekyun reaching his one month anniversary. So that was the agreement that after one month, they would decide if they would keep him on the student council or not. Because remember in the beginning, Shin Woo was the, the one person voting against having him be on the student council so he's reached his one month and they decide to throw a surprise birthday party which they are all terrible at keeping a surprise (laughs) but it's really cute that they try but the entire episode is basically about that and even that being the case it still it didn't feel slow it didn't feel like a filler or anything it was that's why i say slice of life it was cute And it was integral to the story. It showed the growth of their relationship. So even though they spent, you know, 30 minutes or whatever it was, 25 minutes on this one thing, I think it was still important to the show. So that was up to episode six. So I'm going to kind of run through the rest of the show sort of quickly. And not because the show was bad. I really, truly enjoyed the show a lot. It's just actually we are experiencing the remnants of Hurricane Ida where I am and I've lost power twice already while trying to record it, record this podcast, and I kind of see some flashing going on in the distance and my lights blinked again, so I'm expecting to lose power at any moment. So I just want to make sure I get this this podcast in. So this was a good show, as I said. Enjoyed the characters, very slice of life. Don, you know, I've been, I've, I've been team Shinwu and Taekyung from the beginning. Don had a lot of growing to do in this show. I know he was the other part of the triangle. I never kind of took him seriously as a possibility, 
for Taekyung just because he was so conflicted and he didn't really know himself yet. You know, he's he's just going around saying yes to everyone without really figuring out for himself what it was that he truly wanted out of things, out of life, out of relationships, out of whatever. And, you know, that's okay because it's high school. He still has time to figure these things out. Um, I haven't talked too much about Sohee. Sohee is the female character on the show. She is the one who has a crush on Don. She's actually from a sister school. Like, I guess they have an all-girls high school that's a sister school. And it's odd that she spends so much time in the boys' high school. First of all, why they're letting her do that. But secondly, does she go to class? Like, <laughs> she seems to spend all her time there or hanging out with the student council there. Even to the point where actually the, the homeroom teacher knows her by name, you know, and just kind of accepts her as part of the group. So I found that kind of funny. So she has had this crush on Don for a very long time and realizes that his feelings, he's starting to have feelings for Taekyung. And she feels very threatened by that, of course, because she's been hanging around for years, you know, waiting for Don to notice her. And she tries to kind of warn Taekyung off, but, and actually even tries to get Shin Woo, I don't remember which episode it is, but tries to get Shin Woo to kind of work with her because she knows that he likes Taekyung. So she's like, you can have Taekyung and I'll get Don. And Shin Woo's like, they don't belong, quote unquote, you know, to either of us. Like they are their own people, which I loved that answer. That was the good answer. She just is feeling very jealous and she tries to break up Dion and Shin Woo, break up their friendship at least because they're not together, but break up their friendship and she tries to do it in a very underhanded way that you should not ever do and winds up really hurting Zion in the process and really affecting the trust that he had in her you know he I think he says it like I can't I can't trust your words it's true she totally broke his trust by what she did and it causes a lot of confusion for him and problems in the school and he is someone who has always been the nice guy, always saying yes to everyone. Now he's kind of facing negativity in the school, which is a totally new thing for him. Instead of kind of standing with Tekken with it, or at least addressing rumors that have sprung up around them, he denies Tekken or just kind of pushes Tekken to the side. And this is totally opposite, right? For someone who is as honest as Tekken is. And it it causes problems between them, of course. In the background of all of this, it's Shin Wu watching what's going on and probably seeing the writing on the wall in a way because he knew that, he, knowing Dion's character, he knows Dion's not going to just wholeheartedly jump into a, a gay relationship, right? That's not, he's not someone who's going to rock the boat. So he's kind of, he kind of knew what was going to happen in a way. But all he can try to do is just be there for Taekyung as Taekyung is experiencing what he's going through with liking someone who at the moment really can't like him back, but then also liking someone who was kind of the first person he really struck up a friendship with. And Shin Woo is playing this kind of mature character in a way that he that he realizes he just at that moment really should try to be Taekyung's friend. This is with the advice of the homeroom teacher that I mentioned earlier. I just think it was it was a good show all around. It was kind of predictable the conflict that was going to happen. And that female character, so he, they kind of fell into the trope of like the jealous female character in a BL, but uh, she bought it around. 
they humanized her, which is which is good. And uh, she did some growing herself. She she faced consequences herself. I don't think she one hundred percent kind of got there, but she faced a big consequence herself when Dion told her that he didn't want to be around her right now. And for her, that's a big that was a big blow. The only thing I didn't like was that she was kind of pushy after that and trying to get people to accept her back into the fold instead of giving them their time. But she did do her own growing. Don did his growing. And Shinwoo got his guy in the end, as we knew he would. <laughs> but it was a sweet show. It was a sweet show all around. No big drama except for that one big drama that kind of encompassed several episodes that so he caused, basically, our, our female character caused. But everything else was very slice of life and very well done. And as usual with a Korean BL, it just looked really good. Everyone's makeup was on point. You know, <laughs> the filming was really good. Pacing was good. And I love that we got 16 episodes, which is standard length for a Korean drama. So, you know, we finally maybe got into the big leagues. Hopefully the next Korean drama we get will also be 16 episodes. The episodes are short. They're not an hour long like other Korean dramas, but that's fine with me. <laughs> Korean dramas seems to be getting like longer and longer. And there are some dramas that are half an hour that are, are not BL. Tale of Nokdu, which I had seen some episodes of, those are half hour episodes. So it's not that far out of, you know, the realm that, that these episodes would be 25 minutes long. That can be standard for some dramas as well. So I would say check this out if you want to see a sweet slice of life BL. This is a good one to check out. So I'm not sure what I will be catching next. Of course, I have to finish Guardian because it's up. I'm going to be doing episodes 36 through 40. As I mentioned, check out is not supposed to be out until next year, until 2022. But Bite Me is going on. I will continue to watch that for now. And I am contemplating watching Sweet Teeth. Sweet Teeth is a Chinese drama which features a the main female lead is a librarian and the main male lead is a dentist. That's why it calls, it's called Sweet Teeth. And it's supposed to be a rom-com. So I may watch that. Uh, sorry if you heard a siren going by. As I said, the power's gone on a few times. So somewhere there's a transformer that probably is on fire. Um, so it looks like some uh, firefighters are going by to deal with that. Hopefully everyone is safe. So yeah, so next podcast, more of Guardian, more of Bite Me, possibly Sweet Teeth. And I still have not finished the Vietnamese BL, My Monster-in-Law, season two. So maybe I will get back to that one. So if you all, whoever's listening, has any suggestions about what I might watch, feel free to send them my way. You can find me on Twitter at dramawatcher6 and via email dramawatchernotes at gmail.com any suggestions any thoughts you know any response you have to anything i say here feel free to reach out to me through email or twitter thanks so much for listening in on this episode 22 of notes from a drama watcher please like and subscribe stay safe everyone